Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and insurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. FitSpeak, the podcast, is available on Podbean, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and our website, which is www.fitspeak.com. Bonus, we're also alive and kicking it on Instagram. Kevin Watt and myself serve up a tasty dish of motivation and inspiration through that picture-sharing platform. Check it out. Tell us what you think. We are at FitSpeak. And we're also Facebook-friendly. We've got easy-to-digest content there, plus some endurance sports discussions when you use that Facebook app on your phone, laptop, or tablet. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting's Cycle and Mission, and here's your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Vuelta. Mention that word to Bruce or any one of the staff at Wenting's, and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Vuelta. And yes, we're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. We're your Fraser Valley-based multi-sport coaching connection. If you're new to triathlon and are looking to improve, our experience and low client-to-coach ratio will help you take a great leap forward on your path of awesomeness. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page. On the program today, Roy McBeth talks cycling in his still-to-be-named segment. In the segment we've named Mikey's Top 5 list, Mikey Ross from the ATC shares his five special race mantras to keep you focused while racing. But first off, we have part two of our interview with Calgary professional triathlete Ben Rudson. We talked to Ben about the training opportunities that COVID has given him since he isn't racing. Ben also shares with us his best training advice and his worst training advice. 57 Fabulous FitSpeak Minutes begins right now. Now, you've done a lot of runs away from home. Did you have any like crazy experiences going out? No, obviously, you don't know the the areas the communities all that well getting lost on a run or having any kind of scary experiences fortunately i've been blessed with a pretty good sense of direction okay. and that's been pretty invaluable for me yeah and that being said i do get lost sometimes um i was in louisville kentucky and there's this park in kind of the city center of louisville called cherokee park and it's a great spot for running. It was my go-to spot when I was in town. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very, it's very dark and very poorly lit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's some people who kind of hang out. You know, I'm not sure what they're exactly they're doing, but they're kind of hanging out in the bush and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had a couple of scares or run-ins yeah. with people like that who don't expect to be see a runner out there um, in the evenings. Uh-huh. So that's probably been like the most uh, the most scary moment I've had. And that's that's when you set your personal best 5K. I understand. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so what what do your parents think of uh, this choice to become a professional triathlete? Um, you know, they're very supportive. Um, I mean, especially my dad. Uh, you know, we grew up, you know, him him and I, you know, spending, you know, all these nights in the basement watching old Kona, Kona clips and, uh, you know, seeing all these different athletes race and compete on TV, etc., now to be on those same courses and rubbing yeah. shoulders with those same athletes mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable. You know, like lining up next to someone like Tim O'Donnell or Lionel Sanders, yeah. Cody Beals, like being shoulder to shoulder them on the start line. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty remarkable experience. And, uh, 
sometimes you kind of have to pinch yourself and uh, focus on the race and remember that they're a competitor. That's right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you can be in awe of them uh, as much as you want, but, uh, you know, you're both going after sponsors, you're going after a paycheck, you're going after, you know, front page of Triathlon Magazine Canada, so you want to, you know, consider them uh, an opponent. I mean, not to say you can't, of course, be Canadian and friendly, but, uh, you know, it's it's certainly a competition. Definitely. And, uh, you know, the sport's pretty cutthroat as well. Um, you know, it's no secret that triathlon isn't exactly the most, the well, most well-paying job out there. Um, you know, I'm fortunate that I've been able to find a good balance with a professional career, but for a lot of folks who are all in on triathlon, it can be, it can be tough up there. Um, and while we're all friendly with each other, I know there's definitely some, you know, backdoor tension with some folks uh, over these things. Yeah, let's talk about the business side. I mean, you've got the, uh, and a lot of, uh, you know, Canadian professional triathletes at a lot of levels have, you know, day jobs to, to pay a lot of the bills. But uh, what kind of bucks or how do you make bucks as a professional triathlete in Canada? Yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, the financial revenue streams come in a couple of different formats. The one probably most people would jump to would be prize money, of course. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, prize money has been dwindling um, year over year in the sport. And it seems like sports getting more competitive year, year over year as well. And, uh, you know, even for me, you know, someone posting my results might have, you know, five, six years ago been able to, you know, cut it and make a living off of just making prize money. You know, to be blunt with you, I think I made about a thousand dollars worth of prize money last year. Okay. So tough, tough to uh, that puts things tough to make in a context. living off a thousand bucks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's also other ways that we can generate revenue. Um, sponsorship being a big one, um, and obviously, you know, that can come in a variety of different ways. For someone like me, you know, I I work full time, and that's taken a lot of financial pressure off of me. I, honestly, for me, it's while I'm a professional triathlete and I take it very seriously and train very seriously from a financial aspect, I don't really put financial pressure on myself. It still is mm-hmm. more or less a hobby in that regard, yeah. um, which has been honestly a bit of a godsend because I don't really have to worry about a lot of things um, like some others do. But I would say uh, race winnings and sponsorship are kind of the two main revenue streams for most triathletes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's how I found out about you. You were chiming in on one of the discussions about how these uh, professional triathletes, you know, not only in Canada, but around the world are trying to survive in this crazy year that's 2020 with COVID. And, you know, as you were saying, if you're all in and you're surviving on prize money which doesn't exist this year and sponsorship opportunities which are probably dwindling i would think um you know it's a pretty lean year definitely definitely and uh i think companies are doing the best they can um you know a lot of sponsors have cut back but you know they're also a lot of them are facing a tough spot as well um you know when you have the choice to furlough employees or cut salaries to employees or cut sponsorship money it's you know it's tough to justify keeping the sponsorship money up so you know, I think as the world as a whole, you know, I think a lot of people are suffering out there and I think a lot mm. of people are doing their best to get by and I think triathlon's no different. Yeah, and for that, you know, 0.1% who, you know, can make a living and uh, a decent living and a comfortable living doing this, uh, great for them. But uh, then you've got other organizations and hopefully, you know, the the PTO, if uh, they make, you know, true on their promise to, to kind of spread the wealth, that's, that's going to help some. But uh, you've got things covered and you're pretty much, you know, self-sufficient in that way. So um, it takes a lot of the, the burden, the stress of this crazy 
COVID crisis off your shoulders and, you know, you've still got a paycheck coming in. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what the PTO has been doing has been phenomenal. And I think it's been really awesome to see them really supporting the pros. And even though I don't necessarily see a whole lot of that, um, you know, it helps out a lot of the folks out there who would otherwise, you know, potentially even retire. And I don't think anyone wins if people have to leave the sport early or don't get to realize their full potential. So I think it's been great to see a lot of the resources and a lot of the creativity that people have come to mm-hmm. in triathlon to kind of keep things moving this year. Yeah. But certainly for me, I've been really fortunate that, you know, in a time where many folks are losing their jobs and uh, seeing a lot of financial pain, I've been fortunate to continue to work and to continue collecting a paycheck and, uh, you know, basically build up this piggy bank for, uh, for our pre-race seasons. Absolutely, to subsidize that racing habit that you have. Um, enough with the doom and gloom. I mean, you've been doing this for a number of years right now, but what would you say are some of your most satisfying performances in the sport so far? I mean, that race in uh, the race, the Ironman Montremblant is an amateur. That's got to be up there, you know, coming in on 12, 13 hours a week of mm-hmm. self guided training. And a point out performance like that was pretty remarkable. Uh, I certainly didn't expect to see that kind of result out of myself and i don't think many did mm-hmm. um and that was a pretty amazing experience to get to do that and and then obviously going to Kona after um you know that i think i have to include that on the list that's just such a cool experience and such an amazing amazing time down there i think beyond that uh winning national champs as an amateur was was really cool that was kind of my first ever race win and mm-hmm. obviously a very big race win yes <laughs> and uh Getting to getting to raise that banner out across the finish line and stand on a podium was was pretty special. And I think as a pro, I mean, there's been some great some great race experiences. I think going over to China last at the end of last year and uh, racing over there was just so cool. Um, I didn't have my best race ever, but the whole experience was out of this world. Racing in Asia is pretty incredible. They they spend a lot of money putting these races on, and they really treat you like like superheroes over there. You know, I had people like come up to me and take photos of me on the street. <laughs> Almost like a hockey player. That's yes. how it felt. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a lot more sympathy for, uh, for celebrities <laughs> and these hockey players now. Cause anywhere I went, you know, you're going to grab a coffee in the morning and you're getting bombarded. People trying to take photos with you. You're waiting <laughs> in the lobby, trying to get autographs and stuff. Neat. So that was a pretty cool experience. And, uh, yeah, hoping to race back over there again. That was really cool. Yeah, when this when this COVID nineteen crisis finally uh, gets solved one way or the other, and hopefully sooner rather than later. What were you What were you going to be doing this year? What were your A races? I was actually still in the process of kind of figuring that all out. Well, um, blessing so in disguise. Take some time off work. Yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of late to the party and trying yeah. to build my race calendar mm-hmm. out just trying to work out the final details of work and figure out uh, when they needed me and when I could be off. Um, but certainly I had a great time in Traverse City last year at the 70.3 um, in its inaugural year in 2019. And I was really keen on going back there. I I, lo- I love to do the local races. I was really keen and trying to get into, was had on my radar at least to do the Westwood Lake Try. I mm-hmm. missed it last year, but I was really hoping to do that and kind of race on home soil in Nanaimo. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, Victoria 70.3 wasn't listed as a pro race um, mm. at the beginning of the season, right. at least. Otherwise, it would have for sure been there. Yeah. I think beyond that, um, I have a pretty good relationship with some of the local kind of Calgary race directors. And I love, there's a race called the Heart of the Rockies Try in Invermere, BC. Oh, That's yes. pretty legendary and it's been going forever. So I was pretty keen to go back there. I actually won it in 2019 and I was 
looking forward to going back and uh, defending the title there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember doing that race in 19... No, 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 2001. It was, uh, it was a pretty, pretty unique experience. Um, what I remember the most is having a pretty good bike and then being led into the bike to run transition. And I asked myself, well, where the hell are the bike racks? There were no bike racks. So we just kind of <laughs> leaned our bikes against a couple of boulders in this parking lot and off we went on a run. But yeah, that race has, has been running forever. A beautiful scenery, not a bad lake to swim in. And so you won that thing, hey? I did, I did. Um, yeah, had, had a really great race there. That was a really fun experience. And the whole community, I mean, Invermere is a beautiful place. Um, and the whole organizer, like the organizing committee is phenomenal. I, I love that spending time there. I volunteer at the kids race on Neat. the Saturday and spend time with all the juniors and volunteers, race marshal or handing out awards and love giving back to it. And, uh, then getting to race myself on a Sunday. It's, uh, it, it's great. It brings racing kind of back to the old school, gets rid of some of the glitz and glamor you might see on yes. the Ironman scene. Yeah. It kind of brings it back as you talked about, right? I yeah. think it's advanced probably a bit more since, uh, <laughs> rocking it on the trees or <laughs> But, uh, but you know, you still get that kind of old school feel and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty special time. Yeah, absolutely. Special part of the world. Uh, nice down to earth people and, uh, a nice gritty course. Uh, we had decent weather back when I did it, but, uh, you know, this year has been so crazy. A lot of athletes, you know, are posting videos to YouTube. A lot of them are taking on, you know, coaching assignments. Um, but what, are, what are you personally doing to stay motivated in such a, you know, extraordinary year yeah so i think what we talked about at the beginning of the show i'm down in wisconsin right now which obviously is away from my home in uh calgary and right now i'm actually down here on a work assignment i've been down here since june um helping out with a food and beverage supplier as you can imagine with uh the state of home orders and all the quarantining and panic buying they're getting hit with uh, a ton of demand wow and uh we make we make a lot of staple goods that you know are available in grocery stores and kitchen pantries from coast to coast to coast to coast in north america so um i'm helping out down here we're you know trying to go all hands on deck to try and increase production mm -hmm. and keep up with the demand and keep food on the tables of canadians and americans so that's been taking up a good chunk of my energy yeah. and uh but I have all my bike and my running gear and everything down here. And I've, I've honestly just really been enjoying the process of training. I think I've not that I didn't love triathlon before, but I've almost found a new love for just going out there and seeing the personal development and the growth in the sport. Um, and honestly, like I'm excited for races to come back, but mm -hmm. I'm also more than happy to keep pounding out the miles and, uh, I'm having no problem staying motivated just fine. Neat. Tell us about some killer workouts you've been able to do be, you know, because when you're racing and you're a pro, I mean, it also, I mean, you have to obviously train, you know, some people would say to excess, but you really have to walk that edge between, you know, health and high performance. But with this COVID-19, I know a lot of athletes are throwing a little bit of caution out the window because they have the, the luxury of, you know, crashing or breaking, you know, what I mean by physically. Uh, what have you been doing to kind of beat yourself up um, or, or have you been playing it a bit more cautiously? No, I've been definitely having some fun. Um, I think, uh, yeah. So, you know, being down here in central Wisconsin, uh, and being a Strava user myself, um, I can't help myself. And, you know, with in normal times, I'm not really one to go after KOMs or CRs on Strava. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I try and do my workouts and stick to my numbers and don't worry about all the external factors. But, but uh, 
I will say that some of these local KOMs and CRs have been pretty tempting for me down here. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, I apologize for any listeners from the central Wisconsin area because I've been wreaking a little bit of havoc on the local uh, Strava scene. Cool. And uh, been, been getting some messages about that from mm-hmm. some of the locals. But, uh, you know, that's been fun. I think just like, yeah, kind of rekindling a love for the bike there. And I think one of the big things I've been doing a lot of is ever since the pandemic started back in March, I've been really up to my bike volume in general, mm-hmm. but that's been capitalized by my weekend long ride. And I think I'd have to go back to my train log to verify, but since kind of COVID hit in mid March, mm-hmm. I've been logging at least a hundred mile ride every weekend, wow. um, every single week. And some of those rides are up North of 200 kilometers up into, you know, 230, 240 kilometers. Wow. Um, so that's been, that's something that I wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. I think if I reflect back to kind of that Ironman Montreal Blanc build prior when I was self-coached, one of the staples of my, even though I didn't train a lot, one of the staples of my training plan was the long ride mm-hmm. and always getting out for, you know, you know, 150, 160, 170 kilometer long ride every weekend. And I've kind of revisited that. And I think I'm seeing a ton of the gains, um, working with my coach now to like build that into the program very safely. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're almost itching to to use this fitness in a race, but like all of us, I mean, uh, you know, I guess patience for this one is certainly not only a virtue, but it's a, it's a necessity. Uh, what you doing for swimming? You can, can you swim in a pool there? Um, you know, honestly, you know, to be frank, I think my swimming motivation has been uh, pretty low. <laughs> uh, you know, pool, pools are closed for a bit, but they've reopened now and I've been slow to go back to them. Um, they have a great kind of series of lakes here in central Wisconsin that are phenomenal for swimming and, and they're great, but you know, (laughs) I've kind of blew my opportunity. I was only swimming in them about once a week. Um, not because they aren't awesome, but more from lack of motivation. But, you know, to be honest with you, I've been loving the bike and a run so much around here and trying to spend so much time doing that. Yeah. I've kind of used a swim as, you know, put it on hold and I'll revisit it as we uh, get closer to race season and try and get that fitness back. Yeah. I mean, you've got only gotten, I mean, you are working full time, so you have to kind of pick those battles and the swimming, you know, it, it's going to come back for you quickly by the looks of your progress. You've got, uh, you've got some pretty decent swim chops there and you're going to keep the cardio up with the running and the biking. So I don't think you're taking any uh, <laughs> unreasonable chances in that course of action. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. But, uh, yeah. And I think just looking at kind of like some self-assessment, like my first year in the pro ranks, like the swim, I was, you know, a main pack swimmer and I would love to get better, but the swim what definitely wasn't holding me back. You know, I was mm-hmm. coming out with all the big names and, uh, able to hang in there. No problem. Mm-hmm. The bike, the bike and a run, you know, while I'm a strong bike and runner, that's where the gains need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, for me to, you know, move from the middle of the race to the front of the race. And I'm pretty confident with all this bike and running I'm doing. I'm starting to see those gains. And uh, when we get back to racing, I'm hoping I can kind of leapfrog up to the front of the race Yeah. Um, as we get back to it. What would you say are your strengths and weaknesses as an athlete? Not necessarily just as a triathlete, but, you know, as, a, as an athlete, period. Oh, great question. Um, I think one of, my, one of my strengths is that I'm very... I think I can be very introspective. Um, I have a pretty, I'm pretty good at self-assessing what I need to work on, um, whether that's, you know, fitness or technical skills, or you know, softer skills like motivation or mental toughness, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that's really helped me out um, throughout my career, as well as durability. I think 
I definitely I definitely do a pretty good job of staying on top of any injuries before they come up, but I've been also really blessed to have never had a major injury or any significant issues in my, you know, six, six years in the sport so far. Um, so that's been great in terms of weakness. I think one, I mean, one of the challenges I really struggle with is just, I don't have the years and years of support uh, in the sport as some of my competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, inevitably it, it's just tough to race against guys who've been swimming ever since they were little. Um, it, it they're just so naturally gifted and so naturally strong that even if I did everything I could in the pool, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm probably never going to catch them. Yeah. And that can be really tough. Mm. I think other than that, one of the challenges I run to too is just, I have a bit of a thicker build and, and I've done a pretty good job leaning out, uh-huh. but, um, inevitably, you know, that brings some advantages, but also some disadvantages, especially when you get into hot weather racing. Right. And then perhaps, uh, you know, it suits a, a certain style, of course, whether it's, you know, a windier course, perhaps, or more hills or less hills or, or whatever that might happen to be. Exactly. Exactly. So in, in your time, and you've been in the sport, like I was saying, for a while now, what would you consider the best advice you've been given? I think the best advice that I've ever received is basically just to hone in on consistency. Um, it's, it's really easy to skip workouts. And I think there is a time and place to skip workouts. I think one of the things that's going to really bring anyone listening a lot of success is just getting your feet out the door and going for that run. You might not be in the mood for that big long run workout. You might not have time, but I can guarantee you almost always have time or you can find time for that 15 minute jog. And while that might not seem like a big deal, you know, you start compounding that over months to months of training and all of a sudden that can have big impacts. You know, I think the biggest fail I see people and root kind of, I see people go down is Mm -hmm. just, you know, they start, life gets busy and training falls apart and all of a sudden they go and start training two times a week. And it's tough to have to meet your goals and find success in the sport. If you're only training that infrequently, I think that's a big one for me. And then I think Mm -hmm. also is, and anyone who's trained with me has probably heard this one is, uh, the value of going slow. And oh. you have to go slow to go fast. Um, I do a lot of my running. Anyone who follows on Strava, most of my running is done at, you know, 530 per kilometer pace or slower. Mm-hmm. A lot wow. of my biking's done well below 200 watts, which is, you know, less than 50% of my FTP. Yeah. And I think I've seen, especially a lot of uh, age groupers don't necessarily follow that advice and often end up with injuries and uh, challenges down the road. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, uh, especially, you know, you're talking about those folks who get out perhaps two times a week and, you know, they're putting the pressure on themselves and, well, darn it, if I'm working out twice a week, I better make it count. And, you know, they hammer themselves, injure themselves or make themselves sick. And then they're put on this, you know, constant spiral of, you know, working out hard, getting injured or getting sick and then being off for two or three weeks and then over and over and over. So I I think that's really neat that you mentioned that, you know, the value of those 15 minute runs, those things can count. And sometimes those 15 minute runs can be 20 or 25, but, uh, you know, getting your butt out the door on a more consistent basis, you know, is so key to, you know, success over time. Absolutely. And I think also getting creative with it. You know, we all, a lot of us have busy lives and can't always fit those workouts in, but, you know, exploring options. Can you bike to the pool? Can you bike to work? Can you, um, can you go for a quick jog, you know, right after work at the parking lot, like exploring different things like that to try and build it into your daily life with as minimal disruption as possible. I think can be really key. Yeah. And And for the record too, uh, 
you know, I'm not above any of this. Like I, I'm <laughs> sharing these lessons from experience and uh, having made these mistakes myself. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to sound preachy. It's more uh, sharing some of my experience and learnings in the sport. You mean you have skipped a workout ever? <laughs> hard to believe right huh. hard to believe and I, and, I, and I have ran too fast in my easy runs <laughs> speaking of uh, silly stuff um, do you have any worst advice ever you don't have to tell us who it came from but uh, some real crappy advice oh man I'm going to have to think about this for a second um, to be honest a lot of that stuff I just comes in one ear and goes out the other kind of passes, <laughs> doesn't get past that internal filter Um I think the worst advice I've ever heard to do all of your training at your race pace. Oh, <laughs> and the idea, I think the concept that was explained to me is that your body wants to, to compete at a certain pace. So what better way to get it prepared for that pace than to just train exclusively at that pace? <laughs> Cause why would you train anything else? Um, <laughs> you know, we, we won't get into semantics around, uh, why I disagree with that, yeah. but let's just say, uh, if I, I would, I would recommend getting a second opinion if uh, folks out there are getting that same advice. Well, my motive in, in asking you that question, of course, was to get a chuckle out of you and uh, for our listeners. So I think that's uh, that's that's mission accomplished. Um, so <laughs> when, when you finally do go back to Calgary, that you know, that was my hometown. That's where I started my triathlon career in the Mount Royal College Pool back in 1990. But what are what are some of your uh, favorite places to train in Calgary? I didn't know you were from Calgary. That's pretty cool. Um, I've definitely spent my fair share of time in MRU pool as well. It's a pretty great facility. Um, I, I mean, Calgary, while we might not be blessed with the best climate, I think, honestly, as far as North American cities go, it's hard to beat in terms of uh, a training spot, you know, with the Bow River pathway and the network of trails all around the community um, and how they've been taken care of so well in the winter. It really is a runner and biker's dream to be able to uh, train there. So, when I'm back in Calgary, you'll often find me at Repsol Pool. Mm -hmm. um, pretty amazing facility, two 50-meter tanks under one roof. Almost always, basically open 24-7, can almost always have a lane to yourself. Um, love love spending my time and swimming there. As we get into summer months, I love hitting up some of the outdoor pools in Calgary as well. They're not the best facilities around, but the price is right, and uh, swimming outdoors is tough to beat. Right. Um, in terms of biking, I mean... Calgary is really blessed. You know, the Highway 1A out in Banff, Camor, uh, especially this summer, it was closed to all vehicle traffic. Wasn't that uh, amazing? I, un unbelievable. Yeah. I, I'm really, I, I struggle to think of any ride in the world that could beat that. And if you haven't had a chance to go do that ride, like pack, pack your bags and try and get out there before the season's done because it's, uh, it's really out of this world. Um, and of course, you know, the le legendary Highway Pass and even just going out on Springbank Road is pretty awesome. And in terms of running, you know, I mentioned the Bow River Trail system. Nose Hill Park up in the north part of town there is pretty awesome with all the trails and getting some mountain biking rides up there. And uh, I'm really fortunate to live near Confederation Park in the north end there, uh -huh. which has some great, great trails and actually some great cross-country skiing, which, is a big fan, which I'm a big fan of in the winter months. Making the, making the transition to a Calgarian, you couldn't get do a whole heck of a lot of cross-country skiing in Nanaimo, maybe up or around Mount Washington, but uh, Nanaimo itself, uh, pretty uh, wet in the uh, wintertime. Definitely, definitely. It has its has the pros, but uh, definitely not spend a whole lot of time skiing or uh, playing outdoor hockey, which is not a favorite of mine to do in Calgary. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's take a magic wand and say everything has now returned to normal. And you could choose any race, 
either a race that you've done or one of these races that you know you were planning to do at some point in your career uh what would be your first race to do pragmatically um let's go with that one mm-hmm. that would be probably montreal blanc 70.3 okay uh, montreal blanc you know it's it, for anyone who's done it it's a phenomenal race environment you know aside from Penticton, it's probably the top race destination in canada and especially racing as a professional there is such a rewarding experience. It's so cool. Um, and I think if I, so right now for the record, I'm you know mostly focused on half Ironman. Mm-hmm. I think down the road, I'll revisit the Ironman. If we want to wave our wand and fast forward into when I was looking at Ironman, uh-huh. it would definitely be Ironman Canada and okay. uh, racing Penticton. I'm, I'm so excited that, uh, Every year, I'm wondering if this is the year I should jump up to Ironman just so I can mm. get a chance to race to race there because mm-hmm. it, it, it's a bucket list race for me. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure we're gonna see you there. You know, whether you're 25 or 45, maybe following in your dad's footsteps, I think he'd be pretty happy to to see you out on the course doing what he did 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean, even racing in Victoria at the 70.3 there was a pretty special moment. Right, I yes. had him race the same course and mm-hmm. the same experience, um, you know, a decade earlier. That was uh, that was pretty cool. Well, be- before we let you go, Ben, we're going to ask you the uh, the standard Fitzbee question, and you haven't been prepped for this, so this might take a little bit of, uh, well, not necessarily soul-searching, but head-scratching. So here we go. If you could be, Ben, an animal... Other than a human being, what animal would you be and tell us why? All right. Give me give me five seconds here. Okay. Um I think if I could be any animal mm-hmm. aside from a human being, yes. what would I be? Right. You know, I think as someone who lives in Calgary now, I think I gotta go with the bear. Ah. Um, you know, I get to see yeah, I'm probably a grizzly bear. I get okay. to see a lot of them out on out of my bike rides, um, for better or worse. And yes. uh, you know they're pretty they're pretty awe inspiring animals. Mm-hmm. Um, they're incredibly strong, incredibly powerful, incredibly fierce. Yeah, really remarkable animals. Really impressive and beautiful to see in person. Mm-hmm. I think the bear is uh, the bears are pretty cool, and I think it's also cool how they are indifferent to humans for the mm-hmm. most part. You know, they could care less that this guy is biking down the highway. They'll jump out right in front of you and, yeah. uh, you know, they'll force you to turn away. <laughs> yeah. They're going to go about their business. Yeah, they, they are the alpha, the alpha animal in the forest in that part of the country for sure. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for spending some time and fit speaking with us, Ben. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, wishing you the best of health and uh, hopefully you uh, you escape from Wisconsin without any uh, problems and you're back in Calgary and uh, you can uh, continue your triathlon career and hope to see you at the start line whenever racing continues. Absolutely, can't wait. I'm Mikey Ross, coach with Abbotsford Triathlon Club and moderator for TriJoy Spirit of Multisport. And this is my top five list for FitSpeak number 115. Moderation Mantras For many of us who train with racing in mind, the last several months of Covidity have seen cancellation after cancellation of upcoming events. The result? Constant reshaping and rethinking of our training plans. I've talked to many athletes who describe what I've coined a mental mud bath going on inside of them right now. 
The world right now is full of unknowns with no guarantee of a specific timeline for our return to whatever our new normal will look like, whether it be our personal lives or our athletic universe. So, with only a few days left for me before my first competition since March, I've developed the following five moderation mantras to keep in my mental toolkit during my performance. Whatever your personal reason is for dealing with mental mud, such as lack of training, an unexpected physical trauma, a recent injury, or missing motivation, perhaps you can try one of these moderation mantras to help you rein yourself in. Number one, moderation mantra. Focus on fun to get it done. Rather than obsessing over the fact that your planned or predicted pace is pathetically pedestrian, build your mental moxie by zeroing in on only the positive signals your body is sending you. You are doing something kind of sort of like the events you used to enter. Likely it's a staggered start with no awards ceremony or a social plan afterwards, but you still got to do it. So make sure you can honestly tell friends you had fun. If that isn't even fathomable for you because your funk is your full focus, you need to find a new focus. No one can do that for you. Moderation mantra number two, perpetual pace. Not only is this mantra short and sweet, it's a great one for reminding you to restrain yourself from allowing pace to creep up, 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 or down, down, down. The key to success with this mantra is to have done your research and nailed your optimum pace for whatever you want out of a race. If you've decided beforehand that you are never going above 80% effort due to a personal decision or doctor's orders, it's much easier to plan it beforehand, commit to it, than ignore that mojo and endorphins, which more often than not will tempt you to abandon all plans. Moderation mantra number three, positive power push. This mantra is mental, verbal, and physical. If you are used to being way up there in the pack, but you already know things are going to be completely different now, which is exactly what I'll be experiencing, then prepare for handling it with grace and generosity. I've decided that during the Vetter 10K this weekend, which I'll be doing as a run walk, every single person who passes me will receive a mental, a verbal, and almost physical positive power push. By engaging myself in saying this, feeling this, and pretending to do this, arms only and no actual contact, of course. My focus at each moment of minus one will be confronted with a plus one. I hope to be able to give at least 64 positive power pushes during my event, one for each circle around the sun that I have been gifted with so far. Moderation mantra number four, bang for my buck. You've perhaps driven a long way to get to your competition, so if you know already that you won't be PRing or even performing anywhere near what you used to do back in the day, then simply remind yourself that you will be out there longer, getting fresh air, camaraderie, and physical activity when you could be spending one more day inside. If you can ensure safe social distancing, you may luck out on planning a small get-together somewhere away from the race afterwards. Take an umbrella and a chair and an extra warm aftergear, just in case. Moderation mantra number five. Fitness fuel for the future. Think of your present condition as being temporary and be excited about how to safely and patiently build back some of your former fitness when you can. Just by participating in a virtual event or an adapted real-world competition, you are staying engaged in what you love. 
Any efforts we can make to keep connected with our passions will be money in the bank as we head into winter and our continued efforts to respect our bodies and protect ourselves from illness. For FitSpeak, I'm Mikey Ross. Joining us again from his um, pain cave and house in somewhere in the Fraser Valley. Um, welcome back to FitSpeak to Roy Macbeth. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I'm uh, honored to be here. And as usual, you had another mega week doing some stuff on Zwift. Um, how are your legs feeling at the moment, Roy? Uh, well, you know, like uh, we were talking earlier, I just finished up a uh, team time trial here tonight. It ended up being just under 40 minutes and 26 kilometers, and uh, I'm feeling pretty spent. So this uh, red wine, my recovery recovery drink here is going down kind of nice. Well, we're going to talk about three things or four things in, in this segment. We're going to be talking, well, actually heading off to Europe and talking about the uh, last stages of the Giro d'Italia, which happened, of course, uh, last week and running strong still in Spain. They're really going to get into the high mountain stages a bit later on. We're talking about the Vuelta. We're going to talk about Lionel Sanders, who is not riding in mountains. He is riding in a velodrome very quickly, um, faster than any other Canadian, apparently. And we're also going to talk about Roy's uh, WTRL adventures and how you, FitSpeak listeners, can get involved. So um, they were saying, just like the Tour de France, this year's um, Giro d'Italia was probably one of the most memorable ever. What do you think about that, Roy? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was exciting to watch for sure. I mean, another three-week Grand Tour, um, I think one of the really neat things or different things for the riders that they're experiencing is the time of year that these uh, mega events are going on. And a lot of the stages kind of turn into more of a spring classic uh, than they're used to with the summertime. Like some of the conditions are just horrendous when they get up into the high mountains and the rain and snow. Um, I think that's uh, certainly changed the, you know, the look of the race for a lot of guys. And like we are saying, the race came down to the very last day, which was a time trial. Yeah, they said, uh, I mean, the first time in the history of all these Grand Tours that they have gone into the last stage of a three-week race uh, with first and second place, uh, Theo uh, Gegenhardt and, and Joa Hindley from uh, Australia were tied on time after three weeks, like incredible. And it came down to the last time trial to decide the winner. And thankfully it wasn't a photo finish because that would be very bittersweet either way. It was, uh, I would I would say perhaps a, a, a handy a victory, right? It was by about 30 or 35 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, even the commentators were saying they knew that Gegenhart uh, had the up and ha upper hand with uh, the time trial, uh, the Brit there, and, and he came through on the day and, and did finish uh, 30 plus seconds ahead to secure the victory in the Giro. Score one for Britain, score number two for Australia. Speaking of Australia, everybody's favorite loudmouth triathlete from Australia, Cam Worth, is now riding in the third and final Grand Tour of the year, the Vuelta de Espana, and that's been going on now. I think we're into like stage eight or nine. Uh, what can you tell us about the race so far in your opinion, Roy? Yeah, great segue there, Kevin. I like that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, they're on the Vuelta, they're on to stage nine. Uh, first, I think today was the first day after the first rest day. And um, yeah, you know, Cameron Wirth is uh, just doing an amazing job uh, as a workhorse. Him and surprisingly, Chris Froome, um, you know, who his, uh, 
his days uh, going for the red jersey were over on stage one, but he has become, he's riding stronger and stronger each day, and he's become one of the main workhorses for the Ineos Grenadiers, and uh, they currently have uh, Richard Carapaz in the red jersey, and they're riding strong. And they're going to have a, a hard road ahead of them. Apparently, some of the toughest climbs in all of professional cycling are ahead of them. And uh, yesterday's stage was no easy ride either. I was looking on one of the triathlon, uh, well, it was Velo News. And they had a picture there of the Irishman. I think he came in third on the day. And he just decided to take a nap right on the pavement right after the stage was done. So uh, some serious racing going on there. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, like I said, I think the conditions are taking a lot more out of the guys than they're used to with it being cold. And, you know, one of the things that really struck me was uh, a couple of days ago there, the, the the main three guys that were in that in that break to, you know, to change up the GC. And the one fellow is trying to put on a jacket uh, while they're riding uphill, you know, redlining. <laughs> and uh, he struggled to get that jacket on for about five minutes. So, wow. you know, it's something that even as, even as a pro, you know, they practice these things, but when you get cold and things shut down, you almost crashed. But um, had he not got that jacket on, yeah. you know, with the temperature and stuff, he probably would have been out of the race. So he struggled with it until he got it. And, and uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned the big, the big mountains coming up. We're certainly going to, uh, make the selection of the race i mean today i think was one of the last sprint stages and there was even some controversy in that um you know the initial winner sam bennett who, who came through with just a massive sprint and a turn of speed at the end ended up being relegated to last place after uh, oh. some footage showed some some real serious argy bargy and uh elbowing going on about 500 meters out from the finish well one location where there wasn't a lot of elbowing going on it was just pedal to the metal for a full hour was a velodrome in ontario and this was you know this is probably um one of the highlights of the i know it's a, a cycling event but uh, one of the highlights of the year for triathletes all over because everybody's favorite man from windsor ontario uh lionel sanders decided to uh promote himself, his sponsors, triathlon, and of course, uh, his bike sponsor this year. And he decided to go for the Canadian one hour time trial record. Um, and he succeeded. Yeah, it was really amazing. I mean, I'm not sure how many people are uh, real cycling geeks like me and maybe tuned in and watched uh, the broadcast from start to finish. Um, but it was just, it was an amazing hour. I mean, Lionel had a couple goals that he mentioned you know he wanted to break uh the real deal ed veal there his canadian record uh was around 48 and a half kilometers in the hour he wanted to break that uh, i think his secondary goal he said he wanted to go over 50 kilometers and his third goal was he wanted to break ian's point uh sort of 51 kilometer record and uh he he did all three it was right. it was amazing to watch mm-hmm so he's getting a lot of favorable press he's like the darling on a lot of the you know websites in the triathlon world of course we're talking slow twitch along with uh triathlon magazine canada and sanders of course is going to be one of those uh people defending champion uh when he goes down to florida i believe it's on december the 6th for the challenge uh daytona race another person who scored a wild card uh entry into it is going to be our Fitspeak guest in about two weeks and that's going to be Angela Nath so we're pretty excited a fellow Prince George athlete for Roy yeah that's fantastic I mean Angela's always been really well known for her bike strength I remember uh, kind of a highlight actually volunteering in Kona in 2015 we volunteered for bike catching 
uh, on the pier, which uh, just as a note, I would not recommend anyone do. Oh, ex- <laughs> we went back explain, explain. We, well, it's just, uh, it's the hottest part of the day. Oh. Um, and you are absolutely uh, running yourself ragged. Like oh. you kind of go through this lull where the first few pros come in and it's, it's kind of all great and all, everything's awesome. And then you start to hit this massive wave mm. of the fast age groupers that are just coming in in droves. Mm-hmm. And you are taking their bike and sprinting out onto the pier to rack their bike and get back for the next one. So we learned our lesson. We went back in 2017. We did the much more casual chat with the athlete bike check-in. Ah, yes. Bike but uh, I do recall in 2015 a highlight. Uh, actually, I got to uh, catch Angela Nate's bike when she came in, and uh, you know she rode her way. I don't remember where she was out of the water, quite far back, maybe 30th, and rode her way up to fifth or sixth. Yes. And, and uh, when she came off the bike that year, she had a foot injury, so she didn't even run. But it was just amazing to see her put the hammer down uh, on the bike, and uh, yeah, she's been known for. Amazing bike strength. I don't know where she rode her bike in Prince George. It's not a very long season there, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it'll be really neat to see what she has to say. Well, I was asking her, and this is not a spoiler alert. I'll just kind of mute and uh, very general. So we're talking about Angela Nath. We've also got Rach McBride, who's one of the strongest cyclists in the sport for the 70.3 and Ironman di- distance. And there's also Jen Annett, who is the current world record holder for the female side for an Ironman distance. One of the questions I asked Angela was, what's in the BC water? Stay tuned to FitSpeak 116. We will have your answer for that. Um, To round out our corner of our unnamed segment, um, Roy, we're going to talk about you a little bit, what you've been up to on the WTRL circuit. Tell us your team name, dude. (laughs) Well, it does change. I mean, it's kind of strange. Uh, I, of course, uh, I'm racing for the Wadi Wadi Inc. team, one of the teams. Um, And that's the neat thing about this is, you know, Wadi Inc. is a bunch of triathletes predominantly not a huge cycling race team. Uh, But you know, within the last two months, uh, we've recruited 160 racers, Wadi Inc. people that are on Zwift racing on this platform. So that's amazing. I mean, any tri club can do it. Uh, Any group of people can do it. Um, And it's just a lot of fun. The camaraderie, as I've mentioned before, you know, tonight we did our did our race on a messenger call with the eight of us on the screen. And uh, it was just it was fantastic. Um, and you had some pretty obscene numbers doing like four watts per kilogram for the entire team time trial. But, uh, you know, that that's pretty glorious stuff. But I also heard that one of our friends, Winston Gao, did pretty good a couple of nights ago. Do you want to spill the beans for him? Well, I mean, for sure. And, you know, it's 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 awesome. I mean, uh, I've known Winston for a couple of years, raced against him. He is just uh, an incredibly gracious uh young fellow and it's always nice to toe the start line with him. Uh, when we raced the road race a couple weeks ago, it was very obvious. I mean, uh, Winston's a powerful guy, but not a very big guy. So, um, you know, a course with some short, uh, punchy climbs is going to be really suit uh, his toolbox, I think, which the race that we did on Tuesday was just that. The first 10K pretty flat and fast, but the back 10K had, had some really, three really nasty high wattage climbs in a row. Um, so I basically kind of alerted our uh, RGC guy to Winston um, and letting him know that, hey, if you see him go, you got to match him. And that worked out well for us. Winston ended up taking the win. 
uh, in our division out of 130 riders, Whoa. and uh, our, our GC guy managed to stay close and uh, finished fifth. Okay. Um, what's coming up next for you on the circuit? Uh, well, tonight was, you know, I, I mentioned sort of before the WTRL, we're currently doing that six-man uh, team series, which uh, is every Tuesday um, alternating between a TT and a points race. And then there's also the eight-team, uh, eight-person team time trial, which was tonight, which happens on Thursday nights, uh, which runs every Thursday night. And uh, anyone who wants to get into that can check out the WTR web website and, and sign up for a team. So. I'm pretty committed right now to racing every Tuesday and Thursday, recovering uh, Friday, Saturday, and then hitting it hard Sunday, and then trying to recover again to race. Uh-huh, an interesting uh, schedule for you, Roy. It is this time of year, but I mean, you know, it's it's nice to focus on something other than all three right now. Yeah. So, you know, I've kind of shelved the swim a little bit and try and swim once a week and, uh, you know, try and keep a few, a few short runs in there just to keep the body used to it. But it's it's nice to, to focus on one, one element for a while. Well, thank you so much for your time, Roy. Uh, like usual, the homework. Let's find a name for this segment. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. Coming up on our next episode, we'll chat with a triathlete who will be competing in a race this year, the biggest race of the year, like the $1.5 million prize purse at Challenge Daytona. Formerly from Prince George, now living just outside of Boston, one of the fastest females at the Ironman distance, Angela Nape will be our guest. Fitspeak is also brought to you by Wenting's Cycle and Mission. Your Wenting's Word of the Week is Welta. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Welta. And yes, we're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether you want to go faster or go farther, TriJoy can help. With our low client-to-coach ratio, we can give you the attention you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See our link at the bottom of this page. Just a reminder that our Facebook page is your local go-to spot for information and inspiration. Yes, it's Fitspeak on Facebook and now at Fitspeak on Instagram. Your place on the internet where you can see what we've been up to, what excites us, and for you to show your story in pictures. Finally, if you're listening to us on Podbean, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, why not drop by our website to see a bit more about the program Maybe leave us a comment on the show or ideas for future programs. For all of us at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening. <laughs>